You there, Mark 3? That guy. We got a that guy. Just one that guy. You ready? That guy. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Don't be that guy that sends pictures of his muscles to girls. I promise I've never been that guy. Don't be that guy. Oh, that's horrible. I know somebody that does that. One more. Don't be that guy who at the dinner table prays so long that the food gets cold. Don't. don't I've been that guy. All right, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. We'll get rolling tonight. Is going to be a good night. Ready? Mark chapter 3, verse 7. But Jesus, say Jesus. Come on with me, say Jesus. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. How many want to withdraw to the sea? How many want to go on vacation to Hawaii? Go down to the sea. With some other disciples. That would be a fun mission trip, wouldn't it? Lord, I feel you calling me to the islands of Hawaii. Right now, Lord, call me. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude. That means lots of people. A great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan and those from Tyre and Sidon or Sidon or Sidon. A great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. Got the picture? Sweet. Thank you all for responding. Appreciate the hospitality. So he, who's he? Okay, about ten of you are awake tonight. So he told his disciples... That a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. So there's lots of people. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him just to touch him. So there's lots and lots and lots of people, multitudes of people. So much so that Jesus leans over, whispers to his disciples, and says, hey, set up a boat for me at the sea. Because if it gets a little too hectic, I might have to run and jump on the boat and get away from the people. Because there were so many people crowding and trying to get a hold of Jesus just to touch him. Because they knew if they touched him, they'd be healed of their diseases. So it's crazy. Loud, people are yelling, people are getting healed. Once they got their deal, they're running out. Look at me, I got healed. And and every city they went back to, somebody else would hear. And it, it, I mean, the multitudes just continued to increase and increase and increase. And so Jesus says, look, set me up a boat because I need an escape plan. 
And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. Verse 13. And he, who's he? And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12. That word appointed simply means to make someone into something. So the idea is this. He chose these men. He appointed these men. He chose these men to be something that they weren't. They didn't really have much of a title. They didn't really have much of a definition. They were kind of nothing. And he chose a bunch of nothing. And he made them something. The Bible says he appointed 12. So he calls to himself those he wanted. And from those whom he wanted, he chose 12. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And these are the 12. Simon, or Peter, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee. And John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonergus, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you. Oh, God, thank you that you called us. You chose us. You called us to a high mountain. (laughs) And you brought us into your house to sit down and dine with you. God, we thank you that nothing is suffice. Nothing will satisfy. God, you are our everything, our all in all, whether we recognize it, realize it or not. God, tonight we ask and we pray and we hope that we might come to understand and know more perfectly what it means that you are our everything. And God, that you would help us understand what it looks like to do ministry like you. God, I pray you renew our minds to help us understand how we ought to live and what is most valuable in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. How many have been going to the movie theater lately? I went and watched the movie uh, just recently. Um, have you guys seen the movie uh, The Adjustment Bureau? The Adjustment Bureau. I like that movie. Uh, if you're offended, come tell me afterwards and we'll work it out. Seems to be, no matter what movie you watch, some, somebody seems to get offended. Like Aladdin. How many know that in Aladdin there's a scene that shows us people whisper this really bad thing? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Apparently I'm preaching heresy up here. <laughs> I believed it since I was like eight years old, man. What other conspiracy theories out there? You know, I think we're so, I don't know what word to use, lucky. I don't know what it is. But man, you go to Century 16 and you got how many movies to choose from? Probably 16. (laughs) 
Who really knows? But I'm guessing it's 16. So I'm going to look at some movies here. Because I haven't been to movie theater in a while. I just watched the movie, uh, The Adjustment Bureau, recently at Bear's Tooth, which was nice. Bear's Tooth is a solid. Bear's Tooth is like Moose Tooth, but it starts with a bear instead of a moose. And they serve a little bit different food. Bear's Tooth tries to err on the side of Mexican food. If you're on the grill side, but if you're on the pub side, <laughs> you get every pizza you want that would be at Moose's Tooth. Well, the cool thing about Bear's Tooth, if you don't know, is you can go sit down, eat a pizza, and watch a movie. Done that. Okay. The Conspirator. What the heck's that? Arthur. Have anybody seen the movie Rio? Rio? Somebody saw it? Is it good? It's good? Rio de Janeiro? The movie Rio? How many saw the movie Tron? How many of you saw the movie Inception? (laughs) Dang. You sinners. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's that is probably one of my top favorite movies. How many have seen the movie Beauty and the Beast? Alright. I gotta I gotta confess something tonight. I, there's two movies I have not seen that I need to see. Uh Little Mermaid. Honey, we need to put that on our list. I need to watch Little Mermaid. And I've never seen the original Peter Pan. You know, I've seen the I've seen the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one. <laughs> oh, that's Pinocchio! Dang it! See, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So all the girls, that's that's Pinocchio. Uh, but I've never seen the. Oh, sorry, I saw the uh, Robin Williams Hook one of Peter Pan, but I've never seen the original. Hook Hook's a classic, isn't it? The original, yeah, the original Disney, like 1946. It's crazy. We live in a world where everything, everything has a name. What's up, David? Good to see you, man. Everything has a name. Toilets even have names. How many find it interesting, depending on what place you go to, each place has a different name? The John. Well, that's just a unnecessary... That's, that's, yeah, the John. Wouldn't it suck if your name was John and people, well, I'm not saying if your name was John, but, but like, seriously, like, your name's John, like, this guy right here, John. I feel bad for John that people call the toilet a John. Whoever came up with that is just, no respect. What if they call it the Gabriel, you know? I got to go use the Reed. I got to go use the Bartholomew. Well, who came up with the John? Somebody must have been really upset with John, whoever John was. John invented, did he, for real? What the heck? Man, you know what? I think I'm going to have you two preach tonight from now on, man. I think we're learning more from you guys than from me. Everything has a name. People have names. Toys have names. Schools have names. Toilets have names. Elevator even has a name. Like somebody, Otis, thank you. Otis, 
invented the elevator like John invented the toilet. Isn't this crazy? Everything has a name. Everything is titled. Isn't that crazy? What is it in us that makes us feel we got to define something? Every book has a name. Every picture has a name. Every movie has a name. Every school has a name. Every t-shirt, underwear, every nation, everything has a name. So I got a question. My thought is this. If, if God were to name or title life as we know it, when I say life, I mean everything that we do and that consists of. If God invented life or God created life on earth and established life, if he were to define it or title it, I think he would title it relationships. I think if God wrote a book, which of course he wrote the Bible, but I think if God wrote another book, or if God were to define what the purpose of this book was, I think he would title it Relationships. I think if God made a picture or painted a picture, he would title that picture Relationships. I think if God started a school, the school would be called Relationships. I think that if God made a movie, it may be called Passions of Christ. But I think it would be called Relationships. If God had the title, Life, I think he would title it, not even necessarily Love. I think he would title it, Relationships. You know how you sit down and you watch a movie? And you walk away from the movie and there's a, there's, a, there's a blatant and obvious message that is portrayed from the movie. If God made a movie called Life, what would the title be? Relationships. What would the message portrayed be? Relationships. If you read a book by God, for instance, the Bible, and you could pull one word out of it, what would it be? It would be Relationships. If you went to a play that God made and the backdrop had a title, what would it be? Relationships. God is all about relationships. See, life, your calling, it's not about ministry. It's about relationships. Therefore, we should minister. Life is not even about preaching the gospel. Life is about relationships. Therefore, I preach the gospel. Gabriel, how can you say that? Because life is not about a message. The message is about relationships. See, people get too caught up on the teachings and the lessons of Jesus. Why does he need to, you know, get caught up in these lessons and study this thing? I need to know what Jesus was teaching. Hey, let me help you out so you solve all your problems. Jesus was teaching relationships, relationship with God and relationship with people. The overwhelming, over-communicated 
It was exhaustive how much Jesus talked about relationships. Everything he did was about relationships. Life is not even necessarily about worship. It's about relationships. Therefore, I worship my God. Life is not necessarily about being a servant. Life is about relationships. Therefore, I serve. Life is not about giving money. Life's about relationships. Therefore, I give money. See, life is defined by relationships. Don't get caught up in preaching the gospel because the gospel is a message to redeem and restore and reconcile broken relationships. Apart from relationships, the gospel is meaningless. But the gospel, the message of Jesus hanging on a cross, bearing the sins of humanity, was for the intent purpose of reconciling man to God and man to man. It's about relationships. So don't preach the gospel unless you're trying to reconcile relationships. Don't serve if you're not doing it for relationships. Don't even worship God if you're not doing it out of love for your Father who is in heaven. Because if you're just doing it to doing it, you're doing it meaningless and in vanity. Life is simply and originally has always been about relationships. That feels good. Because we are all, all are relational beings. Naturally, we like people. Not necessarily like everybody, but in the sense that if I were locked in a prison for too long and I wasn't around people, it ain't good. God, when he made the earth, said that a lot of things were good. And the one thing he said wasn't good in Genesis chapter 2 was that man would be alone. That's the only thing that isn't good. Why? Because life is about relationships. That's an easy life. See, but when we get caught up on trying to be a minister, when we get caught up on trying to do the right thing, when we get caught up on trying to preach the gospel, everything else is meaningless. The gospel is meaningless. My preaching is in vain if I don't first have a relationship with the person. I'm not saying that you, if you stand in a corner and you don't know somebody preach the gospel, it's not going to happen. What I'm saying is it's not as effective. God can use that preaching, but what's of utmost importance is you building a relationship with that person and through love, sharing with them the gospel. Are you with me? I, I, I want to share this because I want to relieve us of burdens that we carry that we think life is about. And I want to encourage you to hang out with people. I want to encourage you to have fun with people. I want to encourage you to go out of your way to be with people. And don't feel bad about spending time with people. Rather, if you're not spending time with people, feel bad. There is... A very important role, or I should say responsibility, that we have to build our relationship with the Lord. And sometimes that takes us just being alone with the Lord. And that is of utmost importance because if you don't have the relationship with the Lord, you cannot truly love and build raw 
authentic, genuine, godly relationships. So I'm not saying that if you're alone, you're doing something wrong. I'm saying that you should be living a life that consists of being in right relationship with God and right relationship with people and going out of your way to build relationships. You with me? We do a whole lot of nothing if we come to church and we sing songs and we give money and we fall at the altar, altar, and we fall at the altar and recommit our life. And I don't, I don't discourage these things. I'm just saying if we do these things, but we don't leave and make friends and love people and build relationships, we're doing everything. In, in vanity. What I'm saying is I want you to enjoy life with people. That's all I'm saying. But I want you and I encourage you to be intentional about it. I want you to be aggressive about it. And I want you to be relentless about people. See, life is about people. But we are so enamored and and comfortable with the sense of people being around that we lose sight of the message that God tried to portray, which originally is people and relationships. So we live a life about things. See, I love, I love this story about Jesus having so many people touching him. The Bible says in John, I'll read it real quick, chapter uh, 1. Oh, gosh. Verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him, or he has expressed him, or he has made him known. The idea is this. Nobody's seen God act. But Jesus came to make what the Father felt like, looked like, acted like, and what was most important to the Father, Jesus came to make that known. So where Jesus spent his time is what God Originally wanted mankind to spend their time doing. And Jesus always and was never not spending time with people. Life is about people. See, it says here, he went up on a mountain and he called to himself those he himself wanted. See, the crazy thing about Jesus and one of the most different things about Jesus and us is that Jesus wanted people and we want things. Jesus really wanted. He really desired and yearn for relationship. And we have so many opportunities for relationship, but we still want things. We try to enjoy life, and we feel as if we're not enjoying life. And the reason why we're not enjoying life is because we're not enjoying life with people. He went up on the mountain Jesus ascended on high. Jesus went and sat in heavenly places at the right hand of God, at the highest mountain above every mountain. And he called you. And he called Gabe Holland. And he called Danielle. And he called Billy. And he called Jesse. And he called Sarah San Martin. 
He called us because he wanted us. God doesn't care about things. He just really wants us. What do you want? Now, I think deep down inside, God's giving you a desire for people, but we have illegitimately tried satisfying that desire with things. We have a legitimate yearning and longing and need and desire for relationships, but we try to fulfill those needs, longings, and desires in illegitimate ways. Which is fantasy. And fame. And things. Jesus wanted people. I don't know, what do you want? When you wake up in the morning, what do you want? The Bible says he called to himself those he wanted, and they came to him. So you got to imagine this. There's crowds of people. So Jesus goes to a really high place, and he calls, I don't know how he did it. Maybe he knew everyone's name that he wanted there. So he calls up this crowd, and from that crowd, he appointed 12 men to be closest to him. God has a way of doing this. God is really good about seeking people out and making them close to him. Abraham did not seek God out. God sought Abraham. Noah did not one day pull up his bootstraps and seek God out. God sought Noah. Adam and Eve didn't think to themselves, I'm going to make myself. No, God thought in himself, we shall create man in our image. And God sought out Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God did not have to come down and talk to Adam. But God came down and talked to Adam and made a way for their sin. God sought out Abraham. God sought out Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, Esther, Deborah, God sought out King Saul. God sought out King David. God sought out Isaiah. God sought out David's mighty men. God sought out Jeremiah, Hezekiah. God sought out Daniel. God called Peter, James, John, and the other nine disciples, Andrew, James, the other James, and Judas. God even called Judas to be close to him. He called Paul. And now God has called us. God is in the business of calling and seeking people out. God is not about things and seeking things out. He wakes up in the morning, if he has a morning, and he thinks, who can I call to draw closer to myself today? Who's on my Rolodex to bring into my life? And God has brought you into his life that you would bring others into your life.
you have to understand that Jesus didn't just call these 12 men to call these 12 men. Jesus called these 12 men because Jesus knew as a man he could not be close with every human being. So he called 12 men to be really close with so that those 12 men could be really close with other men and women. And that those men and women would be really, really close with other men and women. And even tonight, to this day, you, have, you are fruit of Jesus choosing 12 men and being close with 12 men. And it has trickled on down to 2011. Somebody in this room has somehow, some way made you feel close enough to be a part of this body. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for relationships. Guarantee you. You may come for a couple weeks, but eventually you will leave because nobody sought you out. If that happens, I'm sorry. That's my biggest fear, that people would leave because somebody didn't seek them out. And I even know there's people in this room, many, who have not been sought out. God's called you to himself to do something very amazing. We're very privileged. We get to seek people out. We get to make friends. Think of it this way. God has entrusted to you his most precious and most valuable thing. People. He entrusted to you the caring and the relationships of people. We still seek things. Who are you seeking out? Who, who are you closest to? You know, I have people in my life that I'm closest to. And I won't apologize for it. Because it's not wrong. It's right. Yeah, well, God didn't choose favorites. He didn't. But he definitely chose Paul to be closer to him than he chose other people to be close to him. Jesus definitely chose these 12 men to be closer to him than he did other people. Is that wrong? If it's wrong. If it's wrong to have closest, then God did something wrong. It's wrong to choose favorites. Favoritism means I'm going to treat somebody better than somebody else because they're my favorite. God doesn't do that. But the truth is God has some people that are closer to him as John, the beloved, was closer to Jesus than the others were. And Peter and James and John were closer than the other nine. And Andrew was even a little closer and so on and so forth. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not wrong. To have people that are closer to you than other people. It's good. Because those people that you're closest to need to choose other people to be closer to. And if we're all having people that are close to us, then everybody gets reached. and Everybody gets cared for. But if all of us wait around for somebody to seek us out, then we remain stagnant. Boring and cultish. This is a message for leaders. 
You're all leaders. Who are you seeking out? Paul writes to a young man named Timothy. And he says, somewhere in here, what was happening in the church in Ephesus was a lot of people were teaching really, really bad things. And so Paul tells, tells Timothy to spend time with a few people and to pour his life into a few people. He says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Who are you spending time with? Is it intentional? Is it aggressive? And is it relentless? Are you building relationships? Because literally, if you're not, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. See, but the problem is, is as humans, we wait for somebody else to seek us out. And we get caught up in that so long that we live this life of sadness and sorrow and self-pity because nobody sought us out. But you've been given a responsibility to seek somebody out. Let's transition one step further. Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you going out of your way to text message, to call, to go to lunch with, to buy a coffee for, to pray for at midnight, to walk with, to listen to, to have a sleepover with? Same gender, sleepover. perverts who are you dining with well I don't really nobody really seeks me out who are you seeking out you with me who are you intentionally seeking out to bring closer to you Andrew I feel like the Lord giving you a word tonight for somebody to draw closer to you. Somebody new. Somebody that's not close to you right now. I believe the Lord is going to give you a word for somebody to draw close to you. Rachel Rogers, I feel like the Lord just told me he's going to give you two more people that you need to draw closer to yourself. Two more. And Noella, I feel like the Lord told me, one, that doesn't mean you can't do more, but just hone in on one. Jesse Meisner, I feel like the Lord is saying something similar but different. He said, focus on one. 
It doesn't mean he can't do more, but just focus on one. Billy Forsythe. I feel like the Lord said, look for one. Don't get caught up on trying to find a bunch. Just look for one. Just one. Doesn't mean he'll give you more later or won't give you more later. It just means right now, there's one. Alex Homer, I feel like the Lord told me there's three people, three, that you need to draw closer to yourself. Three. Pete Hanks. Pete, where's Pete? Pete here? Sucker punch. All of Satan in front of everybody. I feel like the Lord told me that Pete Hanks, God was going to widen his tent stakes. And stretch and grow his influence. And I'll tell him later. I saw eight people to Pete. Cameron. Cameron leave soccer too? Cameron soccer? The devil's a liar. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Cameron, foot lord said, two. But that he had mountains of influence. Ashley McSwain. I the Lord said, increase upon increase in your influence. Increase upon increase. Matthew. I felt the Lord said, touch and go. And grab every moment. I saw thousands. And this doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't have thousands. It means that right now you need to hear from me, from the Lord, that I see thousands. That you will live a lonely life in the sense that you will feel like you're always touching somebody and then leaving. But the Lord says, grab, grab every moment. Don't miss out on every moment. But the Lord's saying that he is going to very clearly speak to you in every moment that you're with people. It's the ministry of Jesus as he goes to a leper. He touches a leper, heals him, and goes to somebody else. The Lord said you have a ministry of touch and go. It doesn't mean you don't go deep with people. You will have close people to you. But you will feel like you're always on the run, touching and going. Grab every moment. It means you'll be in a store. It means you'll be in school. It means you'll be with your family. It means you'll be walking in the movie theater. And the Lord will say touch and go. Touch and go. And then Lacey was the last one. I hope I didn't forget anybody. I'm just doing off of memory right now. Praying for people. And if I didn't give you something, it doesn't mean that God's not speaking to you or that these people are more important. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that God gave me a word for these people. And I felt led to release it in this time. Lacey, uh, I think I saw two people that she was going to be close with but a group 
of people that she would be leading. Sorry, last one, Constance. Constance Campbell here. What the heck? Where did everybody go? I saw all these people tonight. Constance. I saw lots and lots of girls. Saw lots and lots of girls. And I heard I just felt like it wasn't really a word, it was just <laughs> she has humongous influence. Oh, it was this. It was yeah, it was wide influence. That's what I heard. Wide influence. She has a she has a wide variety of people to meet with. And then last one, sorry, <laughs> keep remembering. Was Sheree. I heard trade in, but I'll tell her sometime. Trade in. Who are you seeking out? Who are you going out of your way to bring close to yourself? Maybe the Lord's telling you tonight, three people. Maybe the Lord's telling you, focus on one. Maybe the Lord's telling you, eight people. I don't know. Some of you, I feel the Lord gave me a word for you. But you need to discover, God, who am I seeking out? Mikey Stewart. Just thought about this. How many people are you influencing right now in Colorado? How many friends do you have in Colorado? I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I'm going to embarrass you. Just 50. 50. And when you first went there, how many did you start with? We could just hear that and close the service. How many people have come to the Lord through that? Are you making friends? Who's close to you? Mike, you would do crazy things. Crazy to us, but reasonable to God in the gospel. He would see somebody and say, hey, do you need somewhere to live? Yeah, come to my house. And then they get saved. And then they do the same thing. What are you doing with your life? Who are you close with? If you're not going out of your way to seek out people, even if they look like Judas Iscariot, are you bringing them into your life? Mike, are you going to school next year? Are you going to actually go to school or are you just going to go be on campus? Why can't you do that here in Anchorage? So you're going to go to Colorado. Why? So if you could say one thing to everybody here, what would you say?
You've heard it said from Mikey Stewart. Get up for Mikey. <laughs> it's real. It really is real. Make friends. Be really good at it. If you're going to be good at anything, don't be good with a ball. Be good with a friend. You know, I'm, I'm in some ways wanting to change the title of a leader and, and change the definition of what a, a leader should look like. Instead of asking you to be a leader, I want to ask you to be a friend. If you want to lead, then I'm really asking you, would you be my friend? I really need friends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm asking you to make friends. Be really, really good at making friends. If you're not, you're wasting your life. Just, some of you, it's just one. As Mikey just went down to school and thought he was going to school, but really he was going to make friends. And now his old campus is being transformed in a matter of two years. Two years. I'm telling you, people, people aren't just going to get saved because a bird preached to them. One, who are you making friends in here? And two, who are you making friends of out there? If we all become really good at that, it's only time before literally every school in this city discovers what eternal life with God looks like and with with each other. Would you stand with me? So I'm challenged to make more friends. What I mean by that, and we'll talk about that in weeks to come as God leads us. Paul says this very important phrase in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, you became so dear to me that I longed not only to impart to you the gospel of God, but my very life as well. If you just want to preach the gospel, that's one measure of dearness. But when you begin to impart your life and trade your life and allow people into your life, that is a whole nother level of love and dearness. So what I'm saying is, impart your life. Give your life. Trade your life. Let people in. And don't just let them in. Seek them out. Seek them out. Jesus called to himself those who he wanted and he took a bunch of nobodies and he made them a somebody and because of those 12 men and Jesus seeking them out, we are here today, children of God, call of God, disciples of him to do the same to a lost and dying generation in Anchorage, Alaska. Seek somebody out. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you that you have given us the most privileged and honored opportunity and, and, and life to spend time with people and to make friends and to build relationships. 
and to listen, love, encourage, bless people. God, help us to see the leading from you of where you're leading us, but particularly who, God, you're leading us to, to spend time with, to embrace, to include, to seek out intentionally, aggressively, and relentlessly. God, as your son did, help us to live the same life. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen.